you do your roux in a microwave. This gut is beautiful and it's full of gumbo. Nick Saban puts tomatoes in his gumbo. Welcome to the Gumbo Show. Gumbo is a way of life. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to the Gumbo Show, a podcast that is normally hosted by three amateur gumbo lovers, where we talk about everything we can think of to do with the Gulf Coast's most famous culinary export. Tonight, however, in a very, very special edition of the Gumbo Show, it is just me here, Feynman Roberts, in Southeast Louisiana, and I am joined by a colleague of mine in my day job, the very, very great food writer, Ian McNulty, who's a food writer for the Times-Picayune, an all-around great guy, maybe the best pure writer in Southeast Louisiana, and also a rugby fan. Sadly, we're not going to get to discuss those latter two things tonight. We are going to discuss what he does for his food writing. Ian, thanks so much for being with me tonight. Feynman, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And regarding rugby, challenge accepted. I'm going to try to bring rugby into our conversation in some way about gumbo. I think I can do it. I think uh, we will be able to prop it up. (laughs) Maybe we can lock that subject in. Uh, we are going to have ourselves a little gumbo scrum here. Uh, there you go. <laughs> nice one. So, thanks, man. I uh, I specialize in the improv pun. Uh, so, look, uh, this is a show about gumbo. You know, Louisiana. It's it's almost a cliche to mention gumbo and Southeast Louisiana, but that doesn't mean that gumbo is not an incredibly lovable thing. I know you're not from Louisiana. Can you talk about how you became aware of gumbo and sort of your first interactions with it? I mean, in, in the context of Southeast Louisiana cuisine in general, but but mostly gumbo. Oh, sure. David, uh, you're, you're right. I mean, before you know anything about Louisiana or New Orleans food, you've heard of gumbo. It's this, you know, this, this strange word that jumps off the page. It seems exotic. It is African. Uh, it's, it's tied to a place, Louisiana, New Orleans. Uh, it's, it's, you mentioned the cliche. I mean, it it is the most overused cliche for Louisiana, but once you get to know it, it's actually a very accurate one in a way that sometimes cliches have that kernel of truth, you know? Uh, but for, for me, uh, I, you know, I got to know gumbo in the in in the traditional way for for people from outside of Louisiana, which is with bastardized versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was something that somebody would roll out when uh, the Super Bowl was in New Orleans, and the Saints were not, of course, playing in it, but other teams were. We were watching the Super Bowl, so right. someone would decide to say "Louisiana Bon Ton Ruler," <laughs> and you know, I. My, my foodie awakening happened in New Orleans. So picture me in Rhode Island where I grew up encountering a table at a Super Bowl party filled with chicken wings and seven layer dip and artichoke balls and something called gumbo, which looked, in, frankly, intimidating, which is crazy. Gumbo is the most, most, most sincere and authentic comfort food dish there is in all of Louisiana cooking. And yet, you know, to somebody looking at it for the first time, it was intimidating. What, what is swirling around in this thing? I don't even know what this is. Are those, 
are those hot chili peppers on the top? No, it turns out it was okra. It's fine. But even okra was pretty exotic, believe me, back in the, back in the land of canned beans. Um, so yes, I had some very, very B-side uh, gumbo attempts in the past. And but when I moved to New Orleans, I knew I had some catching up to do. I, I was not a food writer when I moved to New Orleans. Uh, it, was, it was completely out of my wheelhouse at that point. But I knew I was moving to a city with great food, with an amazing reputation for food. And so I knew I had to track down some good ones. And I, and I got lucky. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, and I probably agree the best gumbos are, are in the home kitchens, right? Uh, sure. You know, that skillet on the stove, big black pot on the stove. But, you know, restaurants will do a damn good job of, of being the surrogate for that. I mean, in lieu of home-cooked gumbo. And I was lucky that one of the first places I ever had it was Frankie and Johnny's. It was this, yeah. uh, you know, this restaurant just off Chapatula Street there. Best known for its boiled seafood, for crawfish. Also the first place I had crawfish. Uh, but I also had a cup of gumbo. And this guy, he was a buddy of mine. He was taking me around, showing me, showing me the sights and sounds, that kind of thing. And, you know, this, the whole trip was, a, was a, just a, a, this this collage of new experiences and cool things and you know just alluring new orleans to a newcomer and then they put this bowl of gumbo in front of you and there's a crab leg sticking off the side and i'm like mike mike is the guy who took me around mike kelly what what's the deal with this crab leg is this is this supposed to be in here and he took it the the crab leg out of his and i could see him now david i could see it in my head he's sucking on the end of it he says baby that's just for flavor (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and i don't want to say that's the best cup of gumbo i've ever had it's not but that was the first cup of real gumbo i ever had and that yeah. set the hook you know ever ever since then i've been on a quest that's for sure well that that's uh that's interesting um you may not uh i mean you wouldn't know this but two of the the other two hosts of this show are expats right one lives in northern virginia and one of them lives in texas and so we spend a lot of time talking about the sort of the outside of louisiana experience of gumbo so yours is yours is uh, kind of the opposite they started in louisiana (laughs) moved out and you started out and came in um and uh to be fair one of them said his pet peeve is uh unpeeled seafood in his gumbo because he doesn't like the crab leg because that takes up the room of something he could actually eat. And he's not going to take the time to peel the, you know, try to get the meat out of the crab leg. So, sure. so since, since that time, which about what year was that, that you came down and had that bowl at Frankie and Johnny's? That was precisely in 1997. And then I moved to town two years later. Right. Okay. So since then, it's fair to say you've had what? Thousands? Tens of thousands of bowls of gumbo? <laughs> Tens of thousands might be an exaggeration, but let's see. If we move the decimal point over, carry the one, I'd say it'd be a gazillion. Yeah, it'd be a gazillion. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so how has your gumbo sort of appreciation and enjoyment evolved? Like, like that first time you, you were looking at it, you were like, is this a, a chili pepper, but it was an okra? You know, <laughs> yeah, and, <right. laughs> I mean, what are you looking for now? What is it like now when you see a bowl of gumbo? You oh, have well, to appraise it with a totally different eye. Of course. Yeah, no, Faven, my, 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 the greatest thing I came to appreciate about a gumbo is the, uh, as Frank Zappa would say, the gumbo variations, you know, that there are so many different types of gumbo and that they do fall roughly into certain categories. 
you know, getting to know Gumbo in New Orleans is a different experience than getting to go gum getting to know Gumbo in Lafayette or right. in the Bayou or in Shreveport for that matter, you know? Uh, there uh, is no Gumbo in Shreveport. Okay. Oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> uh, Sorry they, to our Shreveport listeners. <laughs> they, uh, you know, the, the Gumbo that I got to know was a seafood Gumbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then probably the next one I had was a Creole Gumbo. Mm-hmm. And it was the Gumbo that was served in big, uh catering pans over chafing dish flames sure. at bars you know before i was a food writer i was a, a struggling writer who sure did like some bars and often in new orleans uh you know the bars will set out a spread of food especially if you go to african-american owned bars there's usually a good spread of food involved in a music night mm-hmm. uh and you go on there and be you just help yourself and oh my goodness i didn't know what this stuff was but i'm ladling it over the rice i'm eating it it's dark in a bar it's just so nourishing so hearty so rejuvenating makes you just want to have another beer again mission accomplished gumbo <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first type of gumbo i got to know the new orleans style gumbo right even mm-hmm. the, the, the creole gumbo which is seafood a lot of meat uh, but now uh, the, the tableau is so much richer when you can parse out like okay this is a river parishes gumbo with the big right. hunks and on dewy you know this is more of a down the bayou kind of gumbo with like a really heavy seafood component and that deep rich seafood flavor in the back mm. of it in the back of the room uh this is you know this is the prairie gumbo this is the gumbo you get out outside of lafayette that kind of deal you know right that, that's what i really appreciate about it well and i know now and uh i we're, I'm going to reference the the article written a couple of years ago in the New York Times by Brett Anderson. You know, the the gumbo is dead, long live gumbo, <laughs> where he talked about, I mean, that was the explicit whole focus of that article. Um, not so much the regional variations in the traditional gumbos, but the the way New Orleans, new New Orleans chefs were bringing, um, you know, there's curry gumbo and all yeah. sorts of sorts of new gumbo flavors, um, you know, kind of alongside the the Viet Cajun yeah. Uh, strain of of South Louisiana cooking that I know came from Texas, but nonetheless is is sort of a reality here and yeah. is uh, is all over the place. So if you had to get one goal, one bowl of gumbo right now. Uh, well, first of all, let me actually let me ask you this. Do you make your own gumbo now? I do. I don't I don't cook a lot at home, <laughs> as you can imagine, on my beat as the restaurant writer, uh, but I have been cooking a lot more. In COVID, sure. I, like everybody else, I don't go out as much. Uh, I still do go out covering the beat, but I used to go out for you know 10, 12 meals a week. Now it's a, a paltry five or six. You know, <laughs> the struggle is real. Okay, yeah. don't cry <laughs> for me, Argentina. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, but, Ian uh, McNulty is a food writer in New Orleans, perhaps yeah. the most sought after gig <laughs> in all all of journalism. Yeah, complaints not accepted. I understand completely. <laughs> um, but <laughs> to answer your question, um, yes, I do cook gumbo at home. I enjoy doing it. It's always in a social setting. You know, it's never like, I think this is probably true for a lot of people. You know, you're not just like, oh, honey, what do you want for dinner tonight? Gumbo. Okay, I'm going to whip one up. It's like, no, there's a parade rolling down the street. We're having a party. There's a football right. game on. Uh, your parents are coming over. It's Easter. It's Thanksgiving, whatever. Right. Um, so I am by no means, um, you know, I would not put my own home gumbo up next to, to anyone who's 
who's been doing it for a long time or has, has mastered it. But what I appreciate about it is that, you know, it's, it's a, it's an ironclad recipe. If you, if you follow the steps of a, of a good recipe, you know, my, my gold standard is the one that Frank Brightson put out a little while mm-hmm. ago. Uh, if you follow that, it's going to taste really good. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be really, really good. It can always get better, but you know, that roux, if, it, if you get the roux into an acceptable position, if, if you've got your Trinity rocking, uh, if you've got, you know, good smoked meats, good, fresh Louisiana seafood, that's, you're already ahead of the game right there, you know. Hard like, to go like, wrong. Even a bad gumbo is going to be better than most other dishes. You know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I appreciate your other comment about the the, the growing diversity of gumbos, right? Like that the people are, I think that that, that story you referenced is, is a lot about the, the restaurants. You know, restaurants right. put a, right. you know, they have a different spin on Louisiana cuisine. So, of course, they incorporate a different gumbo. But, you know, that happens in household to household, too. You know, I think I think the ingredients of a gumbo or the 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 future evolution of a gumbo is is limited to only what you know it's it's whatever somebody has on hand uh, to to make something happen. You know, right. the great Leah Chase once told me, like you know, uh, don't never make fun of of uh, you know somebody cooking a vegan gumbo. Somebody presented the question to her one time. You know, what do you think about a vegan gumbo? Trying to get the goat of this, like, you know, <laughs> deeply traditional, you know, queen of Creole cuisine, like the oh, doyen. vegan gumbo. Oh my god! And her response was was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was honey. People have been making vegan gumbo since people couldn't afford meat. So that's a very legit gumbo. <laughs> you, you put whatever you have on hand into that gumbo. If you make it with love, you know that's going to be a great gumbo. That was the gist of her comments. So it, which you know. I, I take their heart. It's it's. I'm sure there's people out there making gumbos in all kinds of ways to put something on the table, which is part of the story of gumbo too. Right. I mean, I mean the the sort of classic gumbo tenets. The, I guess you could call them the tenets of gumbo orthodoxy. Right. That you need a dark roux, yeah. and that you you're going to do chicken and sausage or seafood. You know, you're gonna. Uh, you're, I mean, the rice versus potato salad, tomato or not tomato, right. uh, you know, all these debates that exist sort of in the gumbo speak to how broad of a tradition it really is and it how is, much freedom there is within it. Yeah, there is, of course, but I'll, I'll add a cautionary tale here. Intent matters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Intent matters. If, like I just said, if Leah Chase is validating your vegan gumbo, you're, you're, you're feeling golden right now. If you are Disney... And you are promoting a recipe for some sort of healthy gumbo or improved gumbo or modern gumbo, or we're going to do a gumbo and show you people in Louisiana what gumbo is really about because we have a test kitchen. You're in trouble. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be a backlash. It's going to be on social media. Shock. But also, <laughs> there's going to be some ringing in your soul about like trying to improve on Louisiana gumbo with that attitude. Like and, what I'm talking about is like a can do gumbo, right? Like I have yeah. can do gumbo. <laughs> nobody needs to reinvent gumbo. They can put their no. own stamp on it. They can put their own spin on it, add their own flavors to it. But, um, you know, tread lightly on the tradition, especially if you're a, uh, a gigantic media entity. Yes. <laughs> always fraud with barrel. And, and hell hath no fury like New Orleans Twitter. Seeing the <laughs> seeing the bastardized traditions, it's uh, what it considers its own traditions bastardized by some giant corporate entity. Correct. In a way that, like, if Auntie did it, they would be like, "Well, oh, that's cute." Yeah, interesting. 
Yeah, but when Food and Wine does it, uh, you know, <laughs> guillotine. We love right, the guillotine. Right. <laughs> Grab the torches. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's funny. So, um, if you had to go get one bowl of gumbo right now, uh, and it was going to be the last bowl of gumbo you ever had, what bowl of gumbo would you be going for? Mm. You know, uh, there are so many. And I'm not even going to say that this one I'm going to mention is the best gumbo. It's not. But it might be my favorite way to get gumbo. Mm-hmm. Outside of a house. We're not talking about going to somebody's house, right? Right. Okay. So, like, here's a caveat. Like, I would run over to my mother-in-law's house, and I would sit there and make her feed me the entire pot of gumbo, and then I would never <laughs> leave, right? And then that would be magnificent. But right. we're, we're, your, your listeners we're, are not invited to my mother-in-law's Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not yet. Right. Anyway, I would go to a place like Broaden Bank Seafood, which is a little takeout joint uh, near the Criminal Courthouse in New Orleans, with you know a wall of soft drinks and beer and a twenty-foot steam table of all kinds of different dishes ready to scoop up and go. I love their gumbo; it's delicious. The hot sausage forms these little balls when they scoop them in there. In there. It's a little bit chicken. It's got shrimp. It's got crab. But here's the thing that I love about it. It comes in a quart container that you can stick in your cup holder in your car. Mm. And to me, one of the ultimate comforting things about New Orleans gumbo, about gumbo in New Orleans, is the fact that you can get it anywhere, anytime. If you're having a bad day, uh, you run in there. Get yourself a quart of gumbo for less than the price of your average three scoop gelato, and you can eat it with a spoon, or you can just sip it, and it's just it, that, it's like it's salvation. Maybe this maybe it's not a coincidence that this is near the criminal courthouse, and maybe. <laughs> Maybe more more people than normal have to have a sudden urge after they plead to go have a quart of gumbo and drink it on the sidewalk. But I, I love that kind of stuff, right? I love that like it's everywhere that it's made in these different settings. I, look, I love the gumbo at white tablecloth restaurants. I love the gumbo, the Commander's Creole Palace Italian gumbo, joints. for yeah, instance, Creole yeah. Italian joints, sure. black Creole joints. I love my little dizzies. I love my ducky chases. I love my Mandinas. I love my Commander's Palace. I love the Gumbo Yaya, Mr. B's. But I'm talking about like one to go, like we're leaving town. It might be that. So I can sip it on the way out of town and my tears will add to the, to the rue. <laughs> In fact, I'll take two quarts. Sir, <laughs> one for each. On my, on my way out of town. I have, I have four <laughs> cup holders, actually. Give me four, four quarts. Of the gumbo. It's interesting. I, I think gumbo is almost one of those foods that tastes better in styrofoam yeah. than it does. And there's something about just with that plastic spoon, spooning some gumbo, like maybe you're standing outside a place or you're standing in your kitchen or wherever, but you're just standing there spooning that dark brown, meaty broth, you know, out of a styrofoam container. There's something like I don't like things out of styrofoam generally, but mm-hmm. but gumbo it wor- works great in that in that situation. It's just uh, I don't know what it, it is. It, no, I think you know if I'm if I'm thinking about it, I, I think it's something that good should not taste 
something should not taste that good out of something just so you right. know, pass along casual. And yet it does. And that's the mm. beauty of a lot of Louisiana food, that it's not highbrow stuff. You know, this is gumbo. I mean, it's magnificent. It's every man a king kind of stuff. Right. Out of a styrofoam cup on the sidewalk right. waiting for a parade to roll by. You know, I mean, right. I mean it's, that's, that's, that's the soul of it. You know, that's, I mean, high-end Louisiana cuisine is, is phenomenal. Contemporary Creole is phenomenal. But what really gives New Orleans food its pulse, I think, is the everyman stuff that we're talking about. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's low cuisine. It's the elevation yeah. of low cuisine. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not haute cuisine. This mm -hmm. is... This is low cuisine. I mean, red beans and rice. The reason there's only, you know, you cook it with fatback or you cook it with just a pork link because that's what's cheap. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, it's just beans and rice, really. It's just been elevated to this, uh, to this great status. Well, look, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up uh, as we think about driving out of New Orleans with two quarts of gumbo and <laughs> styrofoam containers. Ian, uh, thanks. Uh, so much for joining me this evening. It's been a real pleasure uh, having you with it. And anybody who wants to read Ian can check him out in the Times-Picayune or the New Orleans Advocate. And sometimes I imagine also in the Advocate newspaper, uh, one of the newspapers across Southeast Louisiana, where he writes excellently about food and food culture and the restaurant business and just everything connected with what is an essential cultural element here in Southeast Louisiana. I wasn't joking when I said that Ian is probably the best pure writer in Southeast Louisiana. It, it makes me weep because I, I read it and I know I can never, never, ever write like that. So Ian, thanks again uh, for joining me. Uh, we look forward to having you back on the Gumbo Show at some point soon in the future. You're making me blush a deeper shade of rue. That's for sure, family. <laughs> thanks for doing this podcast. It's important. And uh, I'll see you. See you in the gumbo with the rest of the crabs. Yep. And that'll do it for this edition of the Gumbo Show. Be sure to check out our website at gumboshow.us or on Twitter at Gumbo Show and on Instagram at Duh Gumbo Show. Until next time, may your roos be dark and your bowls be full.